Welcome to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it is a privilege to be on the radio with you today. And we trust that you're getting some help from these Bible lessons that we conduct here on this program of Searching the Scriptures, and trust that you're getting some help. Uh, Our prayer is that it would strengthen your faith in the Word of God, because on this program we are interested in what the Bible actually says and not merely what it's presumed to teach. There was an old preacher that said that one time, and I've never forgotten it. It has served me well. And we want to call Christians back to the final authority in their Christian life. And that is not feelings. It's not denominationalism. It's not man-made creeds, rules, and regulations. But rather, it is the living words of the living God as contained here in the authorized version King James Bible. And so we want to base our beliefs upon the facts and the plain promises of the Scriptures. And so on this program, we're always calling out chapter and verse And I want to invite you always to open your Bible, if you can, during this program and follow along that you might see what the Bible says. The greatest way to detect a member of the PTL club is by checking them with the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, what's the PTL club? What are you talking about? Well, uh, there's plenty of people uh, who claim to be preachers and teachers of the Word of God. And uh, they come and they sneak into our uh, midst and they teach Christians false things. And they're part of what I call the PTL club. You say, well, what is that? That stands for pulling the leg. And I'm just going to tell you that uh, there's plenty of people out there on the radio, on TV, and in pulpits across our country that are simply pulling your leg. And the only way you as a Christian, as a born-again believer, are going to be able to spot them is if you spend your time not in the local newspaper or not in the TV guide, but if you spend your time in the pages of the Word of God. There is a great dearth of biblical understanding and knowledge across America, and it's because Christians have long ago put their sword down or they've traded it in for some perverse version of the Scriptures, some watered-down, veneered uh, paraphrase. And listen, you need to get back to the old book that used to bring revival uh, where it was preached, the old book that God has blessed for over 400 years. Quit complaining about words that you can't understand and get a dictionary out and look up some words And actually start learning what God uh, said. And when you start doing this, you will be amazed at how refreshed your soul will be. This book is a fresh drink of water for those who are thirsty. It is a fresh uh, breath of air for those who have been in the stale atmosphere of religion for too long. So let me encourage you to get the Bible open, a King James Bible, and begin to read. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. And that's why we call this program Searching the Scriptures, because we want to get you back in the Scriptures and get you searching them. Uh, After all, Jesus Christ even commanded some people during his day to do that. He says in John 5, 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And so we want to get back to the book. It's a call back to the Bible. As the old saying goes, back to the Bible or back to the jungle. And so, uh, listen, our country's blessings that we enjoy today were earned for us by Christians from years gone by and by people who had respect for the uh, reality uh, and the truth and the righteousness found uh, in the pages of this old book. Thank God for the Bible. Are you still reading yours? Are you still uh, loving it? Are you still uh, feasting on every word of God? Listen, the Bible says every word of God is pure, and I still believe that. And so today, let me call out John chapter 12. If you'll get your Bible open, we encourage you to follow along in this week's lesson. John chapter 12, we're going to look at a few verses here today, and hopefully it'll be a help to you. John chapter 12, we'll begin reading together here in verse 1. 
John chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says this, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. A couple of interesting things to point out here in these first two verses. We're one week away at this point in the narrative in the Gospel of John. We're one week out from the betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. And in the 11th chapter, if you are familiar with your Bible, you know that uh, Jesus Christ had gone to at Mary and Martha's bidding. He showed up and Lazarus, their brother, had died. When Jesus Christ finally did show up, Lazarus had lain in the tomb. He had laid in that tomb for four days. He had been dead for four days. They were afraid to roll the stone away because they told the Lord, look, he, he's been dead four days. Behold, he stinketh. And the Lord says, look, don't worry about all of that. Just roll the stone back and watch what I'm about to do. And of course, you know the story. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was God manifest in the flesh, simply said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came out of that tomb alive and healthy and well in a physical resurrection body. And you know what you find here after the resurrection of Lazarus? You find him seated at a table with Jesus Christ about to eat supper. There's another story of a resurrection earlier in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ from Mark chapter 12. And after Jesus raised that little girl from the dead, he said, get her something to eat. Now, there's a great truth there. If you know your Bible at all, if you're a Christian that's looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ, and you should be, after all, the Bible tells us in Titus 2.13 that we, as believers, are to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our great blessed hope that we're to be looking forward to. And listen, that great blessed hope is going to be a mass resurrection of those that have died uh, in Christ. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. A huge harvest, if you will, of, of bodies shall come up out of the ground. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up uh, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, after that massive and that mass resurrection, there is going to be some eating going on. Praise the Lord. Uh, listen, the Bible speaks of the marriage supper of the Lamb, which takes place after the resurrection. And it's just interesting to note that when Jesus raised the little girl in Mark chapter 12, and after he raised Lazarus from the dead here in John 11 and 12, the next thing you see is people eating and sitting down for a supper. That sure is going to be some kind of a, of a celebration, that marriage supper of the Lamb. But uh, notice also that Martha in verse 2, the sister of Lazarus, is doing what she does so well. She's serving. But the difference between her service here in John chapter 12 and her service back in Luke chapter 10 is the fact that she's serving and she's content in doing what she does well. She's not complaining about her sister this time, not serving with her or helping her. If you recall, uh, when we read about Mary and Martha back in Luke chapter 10, we have a problem there because Mary had chose, she chose the good part according to Jesus Christ. And the good part was the fact that Mary was seated at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, listening to him expound the word of God. Martha was troubled and cumbered about many things. And she was so troubled that she came out and rebuked the Lord and said, uh, you know, carest thou not that I serve alone? In other words, she said, bid my sister that she may come and help me. And the Lord gently and kindly, with his compassion, corrected Martha in her thinking. And uh, let's not be too hard on Martha. We need Mary and Martha uh, type ladies in our churches. Uh, Martha was a go-getter, 
and so was Mary. But the problem with Martha is her priorities were out of line back in Luke 10, and she was complaining about something that she never should have complained about. And here we find her serving, which is we need servants. We need those that are movers and shakers, those that will get the job done. But we see her doing it without complaint and without criticizing her sister, who we're going to find here in verse 3 doing something completely different. And in verse 3, we read these words. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. And the Bible goes on to say, wiped his feet with her hair. And so I want to focus this week on Mary's act of worship here. And what her act of worship is, it is an act of giving. It's sacrificial giving. The Bible says that she pours this very costly ointment of spikenard upon the Lord Jesus Christ. She gets down at his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 3 that the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And can I tell you something that we as born-again believers, those of you who are Christians that are listening to the program this morning or today, uh, let me just say this, that one of the natural results of being born again and made right with God One of the natural results of understanding the great love wherewith God loved us through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, one of the great results is we want to give something back to God. Uh, We want to give him something and show him our appreciation for him, or at least you should. You know something, uh, people, I've heard the arguments through the years about tithing. Can I tell you something that uh, uh, I'm not going to get into all the arguments for and against tithing, but can I tell you something that you're never going to give sacrificially until you start giving systematically. And systematic giving means that every week you tithe your income to God. You say, well, why do you speak of the tithe? That's an Old Testament uh, number, Brother Alltop. Well, can I tell you something that that is the standard before the law, under the law, and it certainly should be the beginning point for every Christian after the law under grace. Uh, 10% of your income. And listen, really, when you think about it, it's not you giving 10% of your income. It's God giving you 100% of your income and you getting to keep 90% of it. Have you ever thought of it that way? I'll tell you something else about systematic giving and tithing regularly to a local church where you're uh, hearing the preaching and and fellowshipping with the saints. Uh, When you give a tithe of your income, you know what you're saying according to Hebrews chapter 7? You are outwardly manifesting the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is alive. Because, listen, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was alive, and he didn't give his tithes to a dead man. And when I bring my tithes to the local church, I'm not giving money to a dead man. I'm giving money, 10% of an income that God has prospered me with. I'm giving simply 10% back to him to show that, Lord, I love you, and I believe your book, and I believe that you're a living today. Jesus Christ is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And if you're still struggling with tithing, brother, you'll never give sacrificially above and beyond the tithe. And listen, the tithe is just where things begin. That's just the foundation. Okay. Now, I realize that uh, I don't know who all my audience is today, but can I tell you that don't, uh, don't mock the preaching and teaching about giving and tithing. And I'll tell you for why. Just because there are con artists that have hijacked the ministry of Jesus Christ and have stolen money from God's people does not mean that giving to the proper place is wrong or that preachers shouldn't preach about it. Listen, there's more in that book about giving and handling our money and giving our money properly to God than there is about the uh, virgin birth. 
And listen, we as Bible-believing, God-called preachers are called to preach the whole counsel. And listen, a good preacher is not raising money for himself or his ministry. He'll be raising money for the efforts and works of the gospel and the propagation and glory of God Almighty. Amen. But listen, I want to get back to this. Mary brings a sacrificial offering. This is more than a tithe. The Bible says it was very costly. And you know something, you know how costly it was for her? Well, let me tell you how it was costly. It was almost a year's salary that she brought. You say, how do you know? Well, later on, the Bible speaks uh, that someone there in the crowd, namely Judas Iscariot, and we'll get to him in a moment. In verse 5, he says that the amount of that ointment was worth about 300 pence. He said this could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. So 300 pence is like 300 pennies. And listen, uh, back in Matthew chapter 20, those people that were hired by that man in Matthew 20 to go to work in his vineyard, listen, they hired on for a penny a day. Well, if there's 360 days in a Jewish year, and there are, or even 365 days uh, according to a calendar year, the way we count now, that would be if 300 pence was 300 pennies, that's almost a year's wages. That's about 10 months wages that Mary sacrificially poured out this precious ointment, this very costly ointment. She poured it out upon and anointed the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it then got down at his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. You know what this was? This is called sacrificial giving. And Jesus Christ always commended those who gave sacrificially. Do you recall in Mark chapter 12 that Jesus Christ sat in the temple and he watched the treasurer, treasury? He was watching people put their money in and give their offerings. And don't you know that Jesus still watches the offering plate as it passes by today? And listen, he was seated there and he watched. And a little widow came along and she put in two mites, which was not very much. But yet he turned and, and taught a great lesson to those who have ears to hear. Listen to this lesson. He told his disciples, he said, you see that woman, that poor widow woman that put in two mites? He said, she's put in all She's put in more than everybody else preceding her because he says everybody else, they put in as far as financially, uh, numbers wise, everybody before her had put in much more numbers wise. But he says this woman gave out of her abundant uh, uh, poverty. He goes, she's put in all her living. In other words, she gave it all. It cost her something to walk up to the, the offering plate and drop something in. Everybody else, Jesus said, gave out of their abundance. And he didn't rebuke people for giving out of their abundance. We ought to. He was simply pointing out that that woman, her love for God showed by her offering. Because she gave sacrificially, according to Mark chapter 12, she gave all her living. In other words, it was going to affect her way of life, how she gave. And right here, Mary offers something up to the Lord Jesus Christ that cost her something. You know, I think in the Old Testament we read where David wanted to buy some uh, uh, animals and some different things to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And old uh, Arana told him, no, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the farm. I'm going to give you these animals. I'm going to give you everything you need, king, so you can do that. And you know what David responded? He said, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David said, I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. You know something in the book of Malachi, 
Malachi was preaching to the nation of Israel, and he told him there in the first chapter of Malachi, he tells him, he says, if he offered the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now under thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, God, speaking through the prophet Malachi, is rebuking the Jews. He said, look, you're bringing, you're bringing your leftovers down here to, to the temple to offer to me. You're bringing the blind and the lame, the stuff that you don't want. That's what you're bringing, pretending that you're bringing me an offering. And he says, you wouldn't offer that kind of an offering to your governor, some political leader, if you had a chance to bring them a gift, you're not going to bring them some leftover. That's why I'm against uh, church yard sales and, and all of that stuff. Because what people do is they bring their junk down to the church. They bring their junk, their leftovers, the stuff that's been cluttering up their garage. Really, the only reason they're bringing it is because it, it gives them an excuse to uh, clean out their garage. And they bring it down and they soothe their conscience thinking, boy, I really helped the church because I brought all my old junker tools and junker boat and everything else down there and got rid of what I didn't want to uh, have carried off to pay to have carried off. And so the church sells it for a little bit of money. Well, listen, if you want to have a yard sale at your house and then bring the proceeds, the, the profits down and dropping the plate to God, well, glory to God. But don't think that you're doing something great by bringing your junk down to the church and selling it. Because really, you're offering God your leftovers. Listen, God ought to have your best. You ought to bring the best you have down there. Amen? Rather than bring your old car down and give it to a missionary, why don't you bring your new car and then you drive the old one? You see, our thinking is wrong. And I know I'm making a lot of you mad right now, but just, amen, just keep the radio on. Let's all count to 10 here and take nice deep breaths so we can collect ourselves. Because I know this is a lot of truth, but what, I, what am I saying? I'm saying God is worthy of our best. Mary brought that which cost her something. This was a sacrificial gift. Listen, it was very costly. It was precious, this ointment. It was almost a year's salary, and she brought it. This was a sacrifice. And these type offerings are pleasant and pleasing in the sight of God because it honors him, and it shows us willing to give something to him because, listen, why is God not worthy for all that he's done for us? Remember what he gave us when he gave us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, listen, heaven said goodbye to its darling uh, uh, savior, if you will. And he came down to this earth, was born in the manger through the Virgin Mary's womb. And listen, lived for 33 and a half years and offered himself a sacrifice. He gave his life for us. What is it that we couldn't give for him? Amen. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, though he were rich, yet he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Do you remember he was born in a manger with animals? Do you remember that he had not where to lay his head? Remember he said the birds have nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had not where to lay his head. Listen, his parents, he was born into poverty. Joseph, his stepfather, and Mary, his mother, had to bring the lesser, the cheaper, the less expensive uh, offerings for uh, her purification. Remember that? Listen, Jesus Christ knows what it is to be poor. He, can, he came down and became poor. And he left the glories of heaven where the cherubim, the seraphim were running around and flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. And he came down into a world that rejected him and spit upon him and crucified him. Listen, because of his poverty, we are made rich in him. I mean, what is it that we wouldn't be willing to give? Not only did Mary notice, not only did she give sacrificially, but she gave cheerfully. There was never any hint that Mary gave grudgingly. 
And listen, that's the exact opposite of a cheerful giver. You know what your Bible says? Your Bible says that God loveth a cheerful giver. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. God loveth a cheerful giver. How do you give to him? How do you give your offerings? Do you begrudgingly throw it in there? Are you irritated? I mean, does George Washington, does he have a bruise on his forehead from where you're holding that dollar bill so tight? Or, God forbid, does your offering clink when it goes into the offering plate? Hey, I'm saying that when you give sacrificially, you'll give cheerfully. And I'm telling you, that's what God loves is a cheerful giver. That'll be one of the most highlights of the service is when the plate is passed so people can offer to God cheerfully. And listen, Mary brought a cheerful offering. And you know something? It filled the house with the odor of the ointment. And can I tell you something? Your offering, when it's brought when it's a sacrificial offering and when it's brought with a cheerful heart, can I tell you what that is to God? That is a sweet smelling savor. We find this in the apostle Paul's writings in Philippians chapter four. He said, you know something? He said, even in verse 16 of Philippians four, he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul had some needs, some necessary things he needed. And these people in uh, Philippi sent him an offering. And he says in verse 17, the preacher goes on to say, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But he says, but I have all and abound. I am, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Look at this. This is an offering. This is help that was sent to Paul. Epaphroditus brought it to him. And he says this, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Let me ask you a question. Does your offering stink? <laughs> Listen, it stinks one way or the other. If you give it grudgingly, that stinks. That's a bad attitude. That's a bad spirit you have toward God. Or if you give cheerfully and sacrificially, as Mary does here, it it's, has a sweet-smelling odor to it. And I'll tell you what, it'll fill the house where you're at. When people are giving sacrificially and cheerfully, it makes a sweet-smelling savor in heaven, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing in the sight of God. But notice what happens when somebody starts worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth and giving sacrificially. Look what happens in verse 4 of our text in John chapter 12. The Bible says in John 12 verse 4, <clears throat> Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Oh yes, there's always somebody that's going to criticize. And of course it's Judas Iscariot here that raises his ugly head and raises his uh, uh, complaint against this sacrifice. The Bible says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Here's his question. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Boy, doesn't that sound uh, pious? Doesn't that sound righteous? You know what? You'll read in Mark chapter 14 that the rest of the disciples got caught up in this bad spirit. And they all began to say, yeah, this, this ought to have been sold and given to the poor. Well, you know something? <clears throat> the Holy Ghost tells us something about this in verse 6. Look at it. John 12, verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Do you know what that indicates? That indicates that, G that Judas Iscariot was the one, if you will, he was the first treasurer of the Lord's church, if you will. And he was skimming off the top. He was taking money out of the offerings. And you know something? Uh, him taking money out of the offerings... Uh, that's why he said what he said in verse 5. He couldn't stand to see someone giving 
to the Lord Jesus. In fact, in Mark 14, do you know what it's called? He called it a waste. Do you know anybody like that? You know, here at Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church, we give to missions and we give cheerfully. And I hope that we're given sacrificially. I know some that are, but I'm glad we're given to missions. But, you know, there are people that would argue and say, well, I think that there's uh, other things you ought to be given to. No, let me tell you something. When you give to the cause of Jesus Christ, it is never, never a waste ever. I don't care what reason there is given. Listen, right here, he brings up the poor. He didn't care about the poor. Well, I think about when I stand on the street corner in Danville holding the gospel signs and witnessing during our public ministry. I remember a fellow that used to pull up to the intersection. He came there for several months in a row. He would come through Danville on Saturday mornings and he would always roll his window down and he would scream, why don't you go help somebody rather than carrying a sign around your neck every week? Well, the problem he didn't understand he would say, why don't you go feed the hungry? Why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do that? He said, go help somebody. Well, you know something that God showed me out of the word of God? Do you remember Paul had a vision one time? We call it the Macedonian call. We sing that song, You've heard the, we've heard the Macedonian call today, send the light, send the light. Well, they get that from Acts chapter 16 and verse 9 where the Bible says a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and Help us. That's what they're asking for in Macedonia is help. Come and help us. Well, if we had the humanistic leaders uh, of today interpreting that, they'd say they must want us to come over and, and feed them and clothe them. And I'm not against helping people, but listen, that's not the main point of the church because look here what verse 10 of Acts chapter 16 says. The Bible says, After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So when the, the Macedonian vision came to Paul and they said, Come and help us, Paul understood that to mean that they needed the gospel. Listen, the church is not here to stomp out poverty. The church is not here to end hunger. Those things, we'll minister to those needs as we go along by default just because we are Christians and we do care about humanity. But listen, if you get these things out of order, you're messing up. Jesus Christ comes first. And the Bible goes on to say, look back in John chapter 12, look at verse 7. Jesus finally weighs in on this thing. Jesus says in verse 7, then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. In other words, he knew that she had been saving that up. She had kept that offering to bring at the right time. Listen, she maybe because she sat at his feet, she knew when to bring this offering. Everybody else brought it on the third day, going to anoint the body. It was too late. She brought it a week before his crucifixion. That was the perfect timing. And she offered this. He said, she has kept this against the day of my bearing. And then he says this in verse 8. You, you socialists need to get a hold of this. He says, for the poor always you have with you. But me, you have not always. Listen, she could only have done that. She had a short window of time to bring that offering to pour out on the Lord Jesus. And can I tell you something, Christian friend, in this age, as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus, you only have a short window of time to use your talents, your treasures, and to give of yourself to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Because I'm telling you something, we're supposed to minister one to another to the body of Christ. Since Jesus is not here physically, uh, the people that are here in his place are other Christians. And I'm interested in ministering to other believers in the body of Christ. And I'm interested in sending the gospel around the world. Those are worthy causes that will not go up in smoke at the judgment seat of Christ. Those are offerings and sacrifices and things well worth the effort and the sacrifice. Listen, don't let someone pull your attention away from what matters most. And what matters most is the gospel of Jesus Christ and honoring God with our sacrificial, cheerful offerings. Jesus said, let that woman alone. What she's done for me is a blessing. He says, I'm not going to be around. And you know something? You won't always have an opportunity to serve God with money. And if you have money and God has blessed you, brother, let me encourage you to find a good place, amen, where the word of God is preached and get involved, give to the cause of missions, tithe your income and offer money to help prosper and move forward and make progress in the work of God. Every dollar spent on the cause of the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ is a dollar that is well spent. You'll never waste your money on the cause of Jesus Christ. May God help you to accept these truths today. And I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.